Welcome to Toronto Under Construction, a podcast about everything Toronto real estate. Welcome to Toronto Under Construction, a podcast about everything Toronto real estate. My name is Ben Myers. I am your host for today. I'm a market research analyst, provider of real estate advisory services. Before I introduce my guest, I wanted to tell you about the tremendous sponsor of the show. The Toronto Under Construction Podcast is sponsored by BCGI Barron Consulting Group, an executive search firm dedicated to the real estate industry. Since 1995, Robert Barron and BCGI have completed over 1,000 searches on behalf of developers, investors, occupiers, and lenders across North America. Their scope includes acquisitions, development, asset management, finance, corporate real estate, and board directors. BCGI has established partnerships with pension funds, REITs, and fund managers searching for talent. They're a trusted source for career advice and guidance for real estate professionals in North America. BCGI can be reached at www.bcgi.ca. If you love this show, please support our sponsors. So we have a great roundtable discussion. Why don't I get my guests to uh, introduce themselves? Just tell me who you are, who you work for, and what you do at your firm. Rob, why don't we start with you? Yeah. Hey, I'm uh, Rob Galetta. I am the founder and CEO of Blackjet. We're a brand and business consultancy at our core. Uh, Within that, we are a group of companies that include uh, content, uh, retail marketing, uh, branding, creative services, uh, film and photography. So we have a group of companies that supports um, all sorts of different marketing services. And what we'll be talking about today is one of our core practice areas, which is uh, place branding, um, as well as sort of tourism, destination marketing, and real estate services. That was very good, Tim. Amazing. Um, <laughs> glad to be on the pod, Ben. I'm Tim, the principal and founder of Ad Hoc Studio and Blackline. Uh, so Ad Hoc Studio specializes in uh, architectural visualizations, renderings, animations, and Blackline is a sales engine that essentially powers um, real estate developers to accelerate the sales and also uh, create efficiencies with their sales operations. He's being modest. It's the best software. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I'm glad that you guys could join me. I wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, We've been talking about the market for so long, and, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the marketing and the advertising and the uh, content uh, that, um, you know, that, that kind of travels around and empowers real estate projects. So I'm going to start out by reading actually something from the Black Jet blog. So I pulled a little, little snippet from uh, um, uh, one of your previous blogs. It says, in 2009, Simon Sinek released the book, Start With Why. His theory is that consumers engage with brands that stand for something above and beyond physical attributes, and that they must have a purpose beyond features and benefits, a larger reason for being, the why that gets employees out of bed in the morning, and the higher order purpose of the brand or company. He argues that without a purpose, you are selling a commodity, essentially arguing that without a purpose, you don't have a brand. So let's start with you, Rob. Obviously, that's from that's from your your website. I know that you work on obviously more than than high rise residential real estate, but um, you know part of that quote that stuck out with me that says, "Without a purpose, you are selling a commodity," which many people believe exactly what you know new condo developers in, in Toronto are selling. So, how do you create a brand around a single building? 
That's a great question. <laughs> um, those for those who know me well know that uh, I've had a pretty healthy detest for real estate marketing. So it's <laughs> it's, weird, it's weird to be in it. Um, and and the reason for that is um, the sort of vapid lifestyle imagery that we've kind of really become used to seeing associated with um, with real estate. And so, you know, when I started Blackjet, part of my mission was to change the way real estate marketing was done. And what I noticed was it's a really wonderful opportunity. One of the few categories where you can take consumer insights and deep research, look for white space and actually not just design branding around it, but you can actually design the product around those consumer insights as well. And so what we started doing is over the course of the last 10, 15 years is really refining a process that takes a lot of great data, some of which you supply, uh, Ben, uh, our own bespoke research, consumer insights, really start to understand really clearly who the consumer is, the people that are actually going to be living in the building, not necessarily the brokers only, and, and what their unmet needs are and start to design everything about that project around those needs and then build a brand around that. Um, for us, that sort of creates a much more compelling dialogue with consumers versus, you know, the usual lifestyle marketing that's sort of without purpose or, or unfounded strategy is more of aesthetic storytelling, which there's a place for, for sure. I, I, and I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that at all. Um, I think, though, that if you really want to drive real estate value, and really sort of maximize your margins that starting with sort of the consumer and, and their unmet needs is probably the best place to start. That's interesting. Interesting. So let's move on to uh, another post here. This is from theclose.com. It says 37 clever real estate marketing ideas for 2023. It says to generate leads, you need to increase the number of times you post per week or even per day. In a 2021 Q&A, head of Instagram, Adam Mosseri, suggested posting a couple feed posts a week and a couple stories a day. While that might sound like a lot, it's what the algorithm rewards. So if you want to build your social media accounts and market your personal brand, you need to start posting more. So Tim, social media, obviously a big part of, uh, of brand building. Uh, has anything changed in the way you produce rent renderings and digital content to score, you know, favorably with uh, you know, social media algorithms and other, you know, the extremely online crowd? Yeah, like a lot of the... Uh like the rendering packages or, or video content or animation content um, that we're creating. Um, in terms of the content, uh, the quality of the content, um, it's becoming, the packages are definitely becoming larger. Yeah. Um, so I'd say we saw that shift about five to six years ago. When you uh, say larger, you mean like more? People more, want to see more visuals. Yeah, more yeah. visuals, yeah. So, so not just one hero shot, yeah, like so 10 like, different Yeah, <laughs> so like I'd say like six years ago, um, the package of renderings, let's say of, of still or static renderings was, you know, anywhere from five to 12 renderings. Now in any given project, like consistently we're doing uh, in terms of quantity around anywhere from 12 to 30 renderings. Like minimum would be a package of 12, let's wow. say. So it's almost like doubled or triple. renderings, yeah, eh? Yeah. Wow. So uh, that's definitely become driven by social media content. Uh, same thing with video and animations with, you know, 
the, how the algorithms are favoring video, especially with starting with TikTok and then now Instagram Reels. A lot more developers and, and sales and marketing people are wanting to package, along with the static renderings, video animation content, cinemagraphs, where, for example, if you have a party room, there's a moving element, a couple of moving elements in the video, like the fireplace is moving or you know, a <laughs> cup of coffee has a little bit of steam brewing. <laughs> nice. uh, so there's a lot of video that's in collaboration with with static renderings as well. And then also when we're creating the content internally, like a lot of times when we're reviewing our own work, we're actually looking at it um, through our phones first, as opposed to typically we're looking at a large computer monitor, yeah. let's say. So are you doing it more screen res, like vertical? Doing a lot more vertical, just seeing like, you know, how the image actually looks on a post or on, on just on your phone if someone were to click on that rendering and yeah. see like what that looks like full screen on an iPhone. Yeah. Um, seeing like the color values of that image on an iPhone as well, for example. Nice. Yeah. So I, obviously, Rob, you're not, not only involved in, in real estate, but how has, you know, social media and strategies, has that changed at all with kind of the a little bit of slowing market that we have? Obviously, real estate's slowing, but people are spending a, a little bit less now with kind of maybe on the cusp of a recession right now. Uh, is anything change in the way that you guys are going about trying to uh, get leads? Yeah, I think, you know, one of my Maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but one of my favorite parts of a recession is the openness to innovation, right? Um, I think especially in this category, developers are in the market of risk mitigation, right? Like that's their business. Their business is, you know, take as little risk as possible for a maximum amount of return. And being a marketer in that space can be challenging because they use those same principles to make decisions on marketing, which is terrible, right? Like risk-free marketing is not a great sort of <laughs> approach to, to, uh, to, to doing things. And so when things get tough, when leads get harder to come by, when sales get harder to come by, there tends to be a lot more openness to new ideas. What we tend to do is because we work across so many different categories uh, that might be considered a bit more dynamic or innovative, you know, thinking about CPG or consumer electronics or um, even like fintech and insurance and things like that, we t- tend to take some of those principles, some of those approaches, and we start to sort of pepper them into real estate marketing. And that's that's something that can really pay dividends. And so, you know, I think we're at this sort of critical inflection point now where everyone should be questioning everything because I think it will be suicidal to approach another launch the way you've been launching things for the last 10 or 15 years. There does definitely need to be sort of a rethink on everything from your broker strategy, uh, your consumer strategy, your media choices, everything should be sort of questioned and, and reconsidered. And I think that now is the opportunity to really be able to stand out and and take some calculated risks. That's interesting. Yeah, we uh, you know we, we talk about a lot about in terms of like architecture and marketing and suite design. You know, if, if things are selling and they're selling at a certain price, why am I going to go pay for a star architect or why am I going to go and uh, and try something completely different in the way that I uh, market this development when or even changing the window times or no, right, the you, window colors. You're right. right you know? I, think, I think actually the work that you do 
in, in a funny way fuels that because <laughs> developers will pay you to give them a, a market report, right? Yeah. And so what do they do is they look at the price per square foot, they look at the architectural styles, they look at the amenities that a, a particular building has, they look at the finishes, they look at all of those things. And rather than say, hey, can I find an opportunity to differentiate like most marketers would think, it's no, how do I replicate that exactly to mitigate risk? And yeah. so, you know, we're sort of in the business business of trying to push developers beyond that to bring more human insights into their decision making to say hey you can still mitigate risk but you can you can still mitigate your risk financially but you can you can push your product design you can push your marketing a little bit further and here's the data to sort of support that yeah i mean i get asked the questions all the time what is a what is this new york architect what's that worth right what is if i take the balcony <laughs> out, what's that worth if i uh, you know if I do 10 foot ceiling, what's that worth, right? Everyone wants to know exactly what each additional feature is worth or not, right? So I can see how you pushing them to, to do some things outside their boundaries. They're like, what's that worth? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, what's but, that worth on a price Rob's, per square foot? Rob's right about that. Like literally in terms of finishes, like a developer that has a competing project that will launch after, they're primarily focusing on a, a comp, like a competing project in that area picking, you know, the top selling project and then seeing what their finishes are yep. and and essentially aligning and making comparable to that. Yeah. I think and it's I, so counterintuitive to like any other category. Like yeah. if a car manufacturer yeah. is like, okay, so what does the top selling family sedan have? They're not going to be like, let me make it look exactly the same as, as that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's, um, it's it's really really funny, but it's it's an absolute truth, and you can't blame them for it yeah. either, right? Because they've made so much money, they've been so successful doing that. Yeah. But I think now, especially now, you know, you're forced to be to be more innovative. It's funny, even working in the in the low rise development space twenty years ago, right. uh, their Lily developers would get the feature sheet from another totally. developer and just take it and just go, "Hey, you." Type this out. <laughs> they would use the exact same, like literally down to word for word, the exact same thing. Before I, I, you could, you know, before it was a PDF that you could copy and paste, someone had to look at that and type, retype the entire list of features and finishes and use the exact same. And one I on think their project, it's still right? happening, right? Like that is still the exact <laughs> same still process. Like, hasn't changed. This is what I mean. Like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the innovation or lack thereof is so prevalent. And I, keep, the thing is, the business guy in me can't blame them, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. you're going to make a whole bunch of money. By, by doing this. Um, but the marketer, you know, a little part of me dies every time I see, you know, stuff like that. We, we, did, a, we did a comparison internally where um, this was in the Vancouver market, but we literally took all the kitchen renderings that were created I for, remember like that. The, for like the, the last six months. And literally it was the same camera angle, the same like lighting, the same time of day, the same, same finishes. finishes, same waterfall, like island and everything like that. We're like, wait, <laughs> like literally every single rendering is the same rendering basically yeah. for the last six months for these, you know, the projects that have launched and that's... Yeah, it's yeah, wild. It's um, wild. <laughs> it is, it is, it's absolutely wild. And when you think about the sheer volume of projects, right? Yeah. So to go full 360... That is absolutely a commodity. It's same, 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 yeah. same, slightly different location. And by the way, every developer thinks their location is the best, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have those those discussions all the time. So you, Tim, you touched on a little bit on 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 video, and obviously that's 
one of the huge things now that people don't seem to read. They just want everything on video. So I pulled this, pulled this article. Um, so, so from Realty Biz News, understanding the power of real estate video marketing. It said, according to a study by the National Association of Realtors, 73% of homeowners prefer working with agents who use video in their marketing efforts. Listings with video receive 403% more inquiries compared to those without video, as reported by the Australian real estate group Domain. Properties marketed with videos can receive up to 200% more views compared to listings without videos, as uh, stated by marketing platform HubSpot. And this was not from the article, but I found this interesting. Um, Zonda recently announced the acquisition of U-Tour, an on-demand interactive self-tour experience serving the new residential construction market. This new addition to Zonda's portfolio will fully integrate with Livable, its comprehensive new home construction listing site. So shouts to Matt Slutsky. Yeah. Shout out to Matt. So, um, your website says we design products, culture, communications, and experiences to deliver impactful messages. How do you deliver an impactful message or at least a message that generates a lead on a potential new home buyer or tenant in the social media world where we live today, where people seem to swipe after five, 10, 15 seconds? Yeah. Great question. So, you know, we know that there's a voracious appetite for, uh, for video content and, uh, and obviously still content. We actually launched a film production company at the beginning of the pandemic specifically to, to, to sort of fulfill that, that need. Um, and so, you know, there is, there's a, such a, a huge demand for, for video content and obviously compelling video content. So that's, that's really, really important. But at the end of the day, I think you need to have a great story to tell. And I think that consumers are really, really smart. And having just a lifestyle story versus something that is actually rooted in some unique product truths, something that can actually sort of position your project and differentiate your project from the competition, create a specific lifestyle that that really targets the hearts and minds of a specific audience. I think that's the way at it. When you're speaking their language, when you are telling a story that resonates with them, when you're not just creating generic content because, and again, I'll, I'll say it, you know, kind of the, the lazy thing for developers to have done is to sort of create same, 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 um, which puts marketers in a really tough spot to create differentiated stuff. So, you know, we really try to hold our clients' feet to the fire, and we we're not for everybody, and that's why certain developers, the ones that just want to sort of look at a report and copy everything and and go to market, it's probably not not a good client for for us. We're interested in those who really want to sort of maximize the returns on their investment and create something that's really differentiated, and then the content you know kind of creates itself um, once you've got that. Yeah. Tim, any any thoughts on the the evolution of the of the video uh, world and and how developers are kind of changing? I know we have a, a softer market. Are they asking you to do different things, more things, less things? What's going on there? I think I think one thing that like we've been internally like super interested in and engaged in is the uh, the Apple uh, Apple Vision Pro. Uh, so it's like the the AR VR headset that the Apple created. Okay, uh, there's been a lot of obviously throughout the last you know. Six seven years, there's a lot of hit and misses with uh, 
more misses if anything with VR headsets and stuff yeah. like that. But if there is one, really one company that we feel that that can execute it well, it, it is Apple just because of their uh, their ecosystem of uh, different software developers that are supporting like the the app building ecosystem, along with their special uh, specialization with like hardware, like creating really uh, reliable hardware. Um, yeah, so with Apple Vision Pro uh, mixing like the physical world with the virtual world. Um, also, uh, with that headset, uh, you're going to have a very immersive uh, full screen experience um, compared to compared to just looking at a couple monitors, let's say. Yeah, and um, is this going to be something you would go into a sales office, put a headset on and be able to like walk through a unit or something like that? Is that what we're envisioning or no? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's still like early days. Like we're waiting. It's kind of like in that development cycle right now yeah. uh, in terms of like um, just trial and error right now. But I think like being able to film a physical space and then adding in virtual elements okay. um, basically as layers like on top okay, of the Okay, hang on. So we, we're going to this is going to yeah. be a smash a Pokemon. Yeah, this is going to be a, yeah. a podcast first, but I got an idea that <laughs> yeah. I want to I want this is going to be For a collab, sure. a, bla- a black jet uh, ad hoc collab nice. that we're going to yeah, talk about. Nice. So I'm fascinated like so in, in in with our production company, uh we've been doing a lot of work on something called a volume wall. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um and and so about what a volume wall is is basically a giant room that is all screen. Um, and so what I want to be able to do, so, so you can create any environment using Unreal Engine mm-hmm. um, that you want and combine that with sort of real people and, and, and film and stuff like that. So um, what would be really cool is to create those first sort of intera- truly interactive kind of renderings with, with real people and renderings that are like full 3D environments kind yeah. of a thing. So that's going to be our next project. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I mean, if you, whenever 100%. I, you know, kind of pr- prior to investors kind of taking off, if I would go to a sales office and I would ask, you know, the, the broker there, what are the best selling plans? Like the two model suites. Mm, yeah. Right? For sure. Because people course. are able to walk through it and get a feel for it. So if you were some, some way able to essentially create a model suite for every single unit, how much powerful and how how much value would that create if you were able to just go into this virtual universe and there's the you know your virtual sales agent opening up the drawers and showing you the bigger kitchen the smaller kitchen the bigger bedroom the smaller bedroom the uh you know the sliding door here versus that because some people are just so opposed to having a you know an inset bedroom or a bedroom that's not right on a window maybe if they were able to walk through more though more of those they would get a better feel for it and say well actually that makes a lot of sense right you get a bigger living space versus a smaller bedroom, right? So, what's, what's, what's really funny about that is, you know, we've kind of come 360 because those are sort of conversations that are being had now in marketing discussions. Whereas, you know, at the height of the boom, it was like, can you scribble a logo on a napkin and give me some floor plans for, <laughs> right directly from the architect? That's all I need to sell out a building yeah. to, you know, and forget about a presentation center and forget about a model suite and all of that kind of stuff to, mm-hmm. you know, now it's going to also to sort of those ex- ex- extents or those extremes, yeah. you know, building out the model suites, looking for innovative ways, not that model suites are innovative, but, you know, finding more ways to create more engagement with consumers who are just not interested in the subject of real estate at the moment. Yeah. And uh, I guess, Tim, I know you were the one of the first ones to do kind of these 3D building renderings mm-hmm. where you could touch on the actual floor and, yeah. and zoom in. Do you have, you know, obviously you're on, you know, the, with the black line, you have some of the, you know, the sales metrics. Were you ever 
able to compare the sales and the successful project for stuff that you didn't work on the, you know, kind of the marketing, advertising renderings and, and, and projects that you, you hadn't to see kind of compare if you were, if it was actually driving any value. Uh, for sure. Like I, there's projects that launched earlier this year where I would say, you know, in this, in this market, if you're not coming strong with every single touch point, from your marketing to your sales tools, you know, you're going to struggle. And I I did see that earlier on. Like if I look at even just some renderings, like the quality of their marketing renderings weren't there for, for a luxury project, let's say, or a triple A location. Uh, They struggled with it. They had very like cartoonish uh, visualizations and renderings and a project that we did that was literally across the street that were high quality marketing renderings it sold. It had the velocity. Yeah. It was able to gain, gain momentum and everything like that. Sold yeah. a lot faster than the other project. That's interesting. It's even even me. You know, I do, you know, static reports, right? But every once in a while, I put out a land report and uh, just as more of a marketing piece. But the data is 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 useful in some of my reports. But when I first started doing it, it was just like a, you know, almost like a typed PDF, right? Yeah, and yeah. someone said, "Well, I'm not going to read that. It doesn't look nice." I'm like, "What?" but the data is good, <laughs> you know, like this is very valuable information for you, but you're not going to read it because the production quality isn't very good. Right. So it was just interesting feedback from a client that was in the real estate space that was like, yeah, it just didn't look that nice. So I wasn't going to read it. Right. So, Sadly, I think that's the way most people feel. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So kind of interesting that I had to step up the, the design elements of a, a, a land report that talks about per buildable square foot <laughs> values. So, so there you go. So it totally makes sense that, you know, doing the type of work that you do, that people look at it and say, this is so professional. This is, they're putting the money into, um, showing me the best side of this project that they're going to execute in the same way that they do with their marketing and advertising. Right. So, so let's move on here. I I took another article from comrade digital marketing, the top 20 home builder marketing strategies and ideas. So it says 75% of users do not scroll past the first page of search engine results. So if a home builder's website does not rank well in search engines like Google, Bing, and Yahoo, they're a huge disadvantage. SEO involves optimizing websites, content, architecture, and backlinks to improve its visibility and ranking in search engine results. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll send this one to you, Rob. Is SEO still important? Are potential buyers really still finding new home projects via simple Google searches uh, for the products that they need? Yeah, I mean, I think firstly, we got to kind of acknowledge the fact that the Southern Ontario, you know, real estate marketing approach is very different than perhaps like anywhere else in the world, right? In that, especially, you know, um, uh, the high-rise condo stuff, which has created a... Salesforce of brokers who really are the the catalyst and the fuel behind most of the marketing, which is you know highly outbound, and you know they have their own followings and they have their own sort of SEO. So, at the end of the day, you know, and I, if I had a dollar for every time we launched a project and you know it's a brand new brand name with a brand new URL, which means SEO is going to be incredibly low, uh, and you're com- you're competing with trying to sort of outdo some of these brokers who have, you know, tremendous amounts of, of inbound traffic, which means their, their rank is so much higher. It's a, it's a complicated answer, I guess. Yeah. It, SEO is absolutely important, um, for sure. Um, in, in, you know, what, whatever the brand is, however, 
they're in Southern Ontario and the way that condos are marketed, it's just a little more complicated yeah. than that. Yeah. yeah. I remember when developers were very much against brokers promoting their projects. And I was like, why? I yeah. mean, they're providing you free advertising, right? Yeah. I get that if some of them pretend to be the inside broker, that's a problem. But if they're just simply going out and promoting your project on their own dime, like why would you not want that? Right. Yeah. So, but I get that there's, there is confusion because some people register on one of those websites and think it's the developer's website and they never get contacted. Uh, right. So, and I think, you know, a lot of developers historically would get upset because I, you know, they'd spend half a million, million dollars on media and they're like, <laughs> we're not getting the lead. Someone else's. And at the end of the day, you know, the story is who cares? Are you still selling the same unit? Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's fine. And I yeah. think that that, you know, that mindset kind of shifted a little bit over, over time. Yeah. So let me read another part of that uh, article. It says strategic partnerships with complementary businesses can help home builders expand their reach and present opportunities for cross promotion. These partnerships can result in joint marketing campaigns and even create unique bundled services that help both parties grow their businesses. So, so maybe I'll give this one uh, to Tim, you know, I'd like, you know, I really like the idea of kind of cross promotion in, in, in high rise, you know, like Gucci designed lobbies or Peloton exercise facilities. What are your thoughts? Do you think, you think that those types of kind of cross promotion, do they move the needle on any of these projects? You think? I think one big trend, at least in, in the U.S. and abroad, like overseas that, that I've been seeing in the last little while is like branded residences. Okay. Like uh, originally like, that really started with like the Four Seasons in, in the U.S., um, but there's a lot more uh, different hotel brands that um, also like fashion brands that are are getting involved. Like Miami has a, has a condo project that is a collaboration with diesel. So it's a diesel official, like diesel building okay. or the diesel condo building. Yeah. So the Porsche one too. Yeah. The yeah. Porsche I, one. I went the Porsche one. My, I Miami loves Porsche their one. branded yeah. residences. Yeah. Brand yeah. Resin. But it's like all over now, like it's yeah. all over the Caribbean. It's um, across the globe. I, I'd say it's a little bit slower to pick up in across Canada. Uh, we're a little bit more focused on like hiring the star architects and, and, and stuff like that as yeah. designers. But I think there is a lot of value with branded residences because a lot of the consumers are very loyal to the lifestyle and the amenities of what they're used to um, in these specific hotels that, you know, wherever they're traveling abroad, they're, they're loyal to these brands and they're staying in these uh, hotels. Yeah. So when these branded residences collaborate with a, a condo developer, the consumers are expecting that level of service, that level of lifestyle and finishes, let's say, as a, as a hotel that they're staying at. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of borrowed equity, right? You're, you're sort of leveraging the power of the brand to sort of connect with a specific audience. And yeah. so it, sometimes it, I think Canada has done a lot of it, but it's kind of in the high fashion designer, but it's just a lobby. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a, yeah. I mean, we got, we had the, we had the Nobu residence yeah. that sold very well, obviously. And, uh, even though it seemed like a couple of the people that were there to promote it, didn't know anything about the condo. Right. <laughs> you mean Bobby De Niro? Yeah. He didn't, yeah, know yeah, anything about De Niro, it? Yeah. He yeah. didn't seem to know what was going on. And, uh, you know, obviously we talked about the art shop on previous podcasts and, and I forget the name of the guy. He's now Lagerfeld, Carl, Lagerfeld. Carl Lagerfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how that seemed to move the, you know, get people really interested in the project. But I'm just wondering on a, on a micro scale, right? If we had an ink entertainment party room or the uh, W hotels uh, guest suite, if that would 
do you know, do you think that would do anything for, for buyers to get them excited? I think it comes down to who your audience, who your target is, right? Yeah. Like I think if, if, you know, you really spend the time to understand who that, that target audience is and uh, understand what their needs are. And if that specific brand really sort of caters to that audience, then yeah, I think it absolutely makes sense. I think it's exciting. It's a story. It's something that people want to buy into yeah. and it's unique too, right? Because here's the first time a fashion brand is collaborating with a house or a, or a condo. And so I think that that's, you know, imagining what that could be, especially if you've got a really, really powerful brand where you can immediately understand what that might mean for my residents. I think that that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Kind of reminds me of the sneaker collabs. Like everyone does the sneaker collab yeah, now, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm that's surprised true. that we're not getting more, <laughs> more condo collabs. Right? I think it needs know? to be authentic though. Like, yeah. if it's, you you know, like a Jiffy like, peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't you want the Carhartt uh, <laughs> yeah. micro suite, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't just be like, oh, we're, you know, we're doing a, a Peloton fitness studio and we're just putting a couple Pelotons in the space, you know? Uh, but that's yeah. kind of what's done. I mean, that, yeah. you know, in, in large part, I, th- I feel like that's what's done. I think the, the most authentic ones are the ones you first mentioned, which are like the hotel brand because you know that the Ritz Carlton is, you know, going to be operating a hotel there and those residences are going to have that same level of service versus like the let me, and I've been part of these deals, the, whether it's with a celebrity or a celebrity designer, and it's often negotiating what will you do from a bare minimum standpoint <laughs> for a huge amount of dollars so that yeah. we can kind of leverage your brand, which kind of ends up in some disappointment when the project is delivered. But who are we kidding? In this market, they only care about getting the pre-construction sales. Yeah. And then, you know, when it's delivered, it's delivered. And I don't mean that about everybody, but that's uh, overriding, you know, sentiment with a lot of developers. I'm surprised there haven't been more. I'm like, how is there not an OVO Toronto condo project? Because yeah. oh, no, it goes back to what you said, yeah. right? It, which is like, what would the value of this be if I spent this <laughs> yeah. money? And I, I had those conversations a million times, specifically about Drake. There's yeah. been like, I've had that <laughs> yeah, conversations a yeah, hundred yeah. times. Like, it, it, it's, it's happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've been in deep discussions with some really, you know, amazing celebrities, but at the end of the day, you know, you have to, you know, have the data to support the calculated risk. And I think some, sometimes developers just go in it for the vanity of it versus like having the business case. Yeah. To say Drake absolutely is worth $40 per square foot. Right. So we have, you know, if we have a hundred units and it's $40 more per square foot, like, is it worth it to pay him X? Right. Right. And if he says no, then that's not, you know, I mean, that's ultimately what it's going to, going to come down to. So like, like it worked for like Raptors and Drake partnering, right? Like their, their merch, their merch sales has like like completely skyrocketed just from that collaboration. Yeah. So there has to be a and that, and that, that shared audience that is shared there, audience, right? Like yeah. that that basketball fan and that Drake fan. Like yeah. if you draw the Venn diagram, you will see yeah. some sort of crossover, right? But sometimes I think some of these collabs are, you know, either ill fated or they are just uh, pure vanity and uh, and kind of hollow. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your, your you know, you, you briefly talked about Blackline, but I wanted to read an article here from uh, stories.com. Meet the Toronto real estate tech leaders big developers love. It says, since the onset of the pandemic, business has shot through the roof, the virtual roof, sorry, for Blackline, ad hoc's web-based sales management software. Anybody that didn't see the benefit of the platform when we first started pitching it definitely took notice of Blackline once the pandemic hit says Tim Ning. 
Creating a growing buzz among developers throughout North America, Blackline first launched in 2019 allows the sale of real estate anywhere at any time. The app consolidates all the essentials, floor plans, unit lists, and photography in one location. Features uh, include sales presentation management, suite reservation, real-time updates, neighborhood exploration, analytics, floor plan comparison, customized branding, and more. So you are obviously very gracious in showing me this product. And I know this is maybe a touchy subject, but we're, I'm going to ask you anyway. So you're sitting on a, a gold mine of data, you know, from my perspective. Um, every developer wants to, you know, get your hands on. Obviously, it's confidential for every site. Is there plans in the future to, you know, aggregate this data and, uh, you know, provide some type of reports? Or are you just saying, well... This this model's working great the way it is. Let's not uh, let's not rock the boat. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a that's a Mark Zuckerberg type question. <laughs> yeah, right there. Uh, <laughs> Mark, I'm gonna pass it to you. <laughs> um, no, that's a great question. Um, yeah, we definitely have a wealth of data. We've uh, since our launch, we launched Blackline four years ago. Uh, we've done consistently across Canada, twenty thousand units a year across Canada. So wow. eighty eighty thousand units uh, that have been powered and sold through our platform. Wow. Uh, we're, we're in the midst of growing um, overseas and in the U.S. as well. Uh, so we do have a lot of data. One thing that, you know, I've been in the industry for 15 years. I come from a second generation real estate family and it's never, you know, has never changed for the last, let's say, 40 plus years. <laughs> yeah. is, uh, one of the questions I always ask like sales, sales and marketing people is like, how do you price a building? Like, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's... I don't know how many people in, in, in our, I guess, in the GTA marketplace can price a building. Um, most, you know, most look at comps or comparables and things like that. But most of the times it's it's through like a gut feeling, I guess, mm-hmm. or or working with an advisor like yourself. Uh, ben yeah, Myers. well, I mean, it's the, I don't think there's many people who underwrite more deals than I do, right? And, and, yeah. and ultimately you're triangulating the comps, but some of it is very much gut, right? Like yeah. I said to a developer, I'm very confident in this number. And then he goes out and launches at $50 a square foot higher than what right. I said, right? right? And I thought I was being aggressive, right? Because I'm, I'm building in an aggressiveness in the market. I'm seeing the trajectory and saying, yes, okay, if this guy's this, this is where the market's going. This is where I think you should be. But and some have been extremely successful, and now we're in a point where the opposite is happening. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, we're seeing. I'm seeing developers launch at lower than what I recommended. Right. right? Yeah. And uh, and still not having great success. Right. So it is a to have you the type of information that you have, which isn't asking prices. It's sold prices, and that's kind of the big difference, right? Because there's a lot of people asking a lot of stuff in the market right now, but no one actually getting it. Right. So it is. Uh, anyways, it's a different difficult question but uh so you're planning on so you're expanding to the united states when now or you already have Uh, we're starting to now yeah um but but one thing is like how can we use these like large data sets and empower like developers and sales teams to essentially like using machine learning to to create a foundation of how they can make more informed educated decisions around pricing and suite layouts and optimizing floor plans and things yeah. like that, sweet yeah. mixes and yeah, things like that. Supposedly there's yeah. a company out of Montreal that's using AI to predict what a building will sell for, right? And for me, 
there's just not enough. There's not enough information. That's why I'd love to have your information where it actually puts in. And what are the suite dimensions? Yeah. What are the bedroom dimensions? Is this on a corner? What, what are the what are the views? What are the buildings close by? You know, what are the, what's the balcony size? What are the amenities? And 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 have every single thing in there so you can do a little bit of an analysis to see uh, what things are potentially driving value of these projects. I'm trying to figure out what's the value of a corner. What's the yeah. value of a uh, which each addition? Obviously, floor premium. What's that? What's that worth? For the longest time, people just a thousand that's the floor premium right and they did no research into if that made any sense at all mid-rise building high-rise building downtown suburbs a thousand dollars right so um now they're actually putting a little bit <laughs> more time into trying to figure these things out right yeah. but so we, certainly not a easy task right so we're really just thinking about like how can we really improve the industry so that you know we can utilize these data sets um, with machine learning and AI to to really create a better foundation for yeah. developers and sales teams. So it's not just purely based on gut. Yeah, um, yeah. there is. It'll put me out of business soon, pretty soon, I guess. But uh, it's all right. I'll go work for Rob. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're replacing everyone with AI too. No, I'm just kidding. Just getting everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That it's was actually a question that was because we are, you know, our sponsor is uh, an executive search firm, so I'm always very interested in how people hire. And you know, when for someone like me, you know, okay, I have a university degree, is you have statistical analysis ability, yada yada. But someone with, yeah, you know, I, I find, would think it would be that much more difficult to hire someone that's creative. Right. Like, you know, how do you go about hiring people that are creative? Like, do, you, do they walk in? Oh, this guy dresses pretty cool. Nice haircut. You know, like what are, what are kind of the factors that uh, you look for in, a, in hiring somebody? Good timing for the question. We just hired an executive creative director <laughs> and it was a, it was a it was an eight eight month search. Wow. And, um, you know, some amazing people from not just Canada, but the world. And that had, you know, there's some fundamentals. Firstly, you know, portfolio awards, uh, who you've worked for, the quality of their work. Um, and, you know, there's there's a bunch of boxes to tick there. Um, and then for us, you know, specifically, it's about value alignment. You know, whether their core values align with ours um, really dictates whether or not someone's going to be successful uh, in our group. Um, and if that all works out, then away we go. And so that's simple version of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I just would, I just think it would be very difficult to, to hire creative people. I don't know, maybe just cause I'm not in that space and I, I very much appreciate people that have a lot of creative ability, but let's get back to the data question because that's where I operate. <laughs> so, yeah. so Rob, I know you leverage a lot of data in your work. Um, you know, I, I pulled some information on another one of your, your posts on your website regarding quad reels assembly park in Vaughn. It says that you conducted qualitative and quantitative research to uncover future audiences, including shoppers, visitors, and residents. And and focus groups uh, with key audience segments. You held design thinking panels to inspire architecture, public spaces, and retail. It says we were able to uncover new audience segments and personify them, and ultimately to develop a positioning based on a clear opportunity to position the neighborhood as Vaughn's creative district. There's that word. How much of what you do is data-driven, like these types of uh, charades, not charades, charade, whatever they're called. Are you calling what I do a charade? (laughs) (laughs) Part of it. No, just kidding. As opposed to, you know, just your gut telling you something looks and and, and feels cool. Like, I don't know how you you crowdfund creativity. Yeah, a lot more data, a lot less gut, I would say, for sure. When when Quadreal approached us, they had a you know, a 30 year old big box park in, in the middle of Vaughn where yeah. a subway stop was about to be built. 
And what I will say about many developers, and not not true of Quadrail per se, is is usually there's a desire to add as much density um, as possible Mm -hmm. and sellable square footage um, to a place. But having an actual crystallized vision for what that place is going to be, not a lot of people that come to us and, and are really clear about what that is. So that's that's kind of where we play. And you know what we what we did there without getting into like you know how the sausage is made, but um, it was really about future casting who those audiences were. We you know often when you when you look at a real estate development, you think oh well this is these are the demographics and and, and psychographics of the people in a particular neighborhood or a particular block or p- particular whatever. In this case, when you're talking about you know a 75 acre redevelopment, you you're talking about bringing whole new audiences to the place. And so, how do you predict that? Um, and you know, through a bunch of quantitative and qualitative bespoke research that we we were able to do, mostly the quantitative, and then drilling down with with, with qual, um, we were able to forecast who those future audiences would be. And and if what I would say is is that. Um, they're starkly in contrast with what you would think yeah. Vaughn is and what yeah. you think Vaughn is. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's really cool to look back eight years later and, and say, yeah, we were bang on with, with that. Um, and we're able to sort of personify those audiences, not just, you know, who the residents are going to be, who the visitors are going to be, who the potential office tenants are going to be, who the, who the retail mix should be. And then also sort of uncover through that lens, what's missing in that, that market, what's missing in that area. And how does that sort of line up with audience needs? And that's what we kind of found was that, you know, there's a tremendous amount of um, desire for creativity and culture in the 905, but there's no central place to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about downtown Toronto, it's really easy to sort of point to say Queen West or Kensington Market and stuff like that and say, yeah, that, those are really sort of creative areas that people can congregate. So the idea then was to sort of create this creative platform as the sort of underpinning idea behind that, that um, redevelopment. Um, and then use that as a jumping off point for everything from architecture, design, leasing, placemaking, um, meanwhile, placemaking, because a 75 acre site kind of takes forever to sort of develop yeah. um, and become that sort of magnetic force for um, creative minded people. And so that's, I guess, the short version of yeah. how no, that was it, done. It's, it's hard. I mean, yeah. when, when the pandemic hit and people were moving out to the suburbs and you know, I think I did a tweet that I got a lot of likes. <laughs> I said, look, where are young people going to go? Are you seriously going to spend your Friday night at Jack Astor's? Right? <laughs> like people want cool spaces. Right. And it's in, and obviously I love Queen West, uh, Queen East, you know, Ossington. I, I travel, I go to those places on the weekend and just, I just love the creative nature of them. I can't imagine I've gone to city place, but it's not like that's a destination. I'm like, Hey, maybe I should go to city place. That's cool. Right. I can, uh, go to a small convenience store at the bottom of the building or, you know, uh, a chain chain restaurant and a dry cleaner and, and the 17 real estate agent uh, offices at the bottom of all of those Concord buildings, right? It's just so difficult to create something cool 
from scratch, right? I, I think part of it takes time for sure, but I think the more you can be intentional with your design and fund some of that, like, you know, if you're creating a, a developing a creative district, giving away. So what we created, you know, as part of a meanwhile strategy is, is assembly studios. And that is a place to attract artists and residents who can spend time there that they can create there, that they can have showings of their, their work there, they can get performances there. And so all of a sudden over that period of time, you're starting to sort of forecast what your future is going to be like. It's a little different than, you know, let's just put up as much density as we can and then figure it all out after the fact. Yeah. And so I think those are the things that we are sort of helping our clients with and, and, and they're finding value in it because it's making everything that much easier from leasing to sales to, you know, whether it's, whether it's residential leasing or, or, or retail leasing, et cetera. It's just, a, there's a lot more clarity there for everybody to work from versus what we've found historically on real estate developments is, you know, a lot of times there's, there is a lack of vision. And so therefore the architect goes off and, interprets their idea of the audience and and their idea of a vision interior designers do the same the landscape planners do the same um the urban planners do like everyone's doing that in their own way but it's Mm -hmm. not consolidated in a in a unified way and so what we found we're doing is we're sort of we're providing that playbook and then we're briefing all of the consultants at the same at the same time and it's uh it's it's really sort of interesting and profound how it sort of comes out on the other end yeah so Tim, I obviously you're doing a lot of renderings. Is there is is there any developers or projects that stick out? Where you're like, well, this is this is different. This is this is cool. Like this is getting my attention, or, or is it still a lot of the the same? <laughs> Not another glass tower. <laughs> yeah, another another and more glass boxes in the sky. As the as the uh, as the no, I think like the I think that a lot of the master plans are they're definitely being more purposeful, more thought through. Uh, like like what Rob said. Um, they're not just, you know, coming in from like an architecture perspective or a landscape perspective. Um, it's everyone, every single designer and creative that's involved with the project are getting aligned from day one. Um, so you're seeing a lot more, yeah, a lot more c- planned out community aspects in, in master plans. And it's fundamentally getting visualized in our renderings as well. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, potential buyers and investors and brokers can, can see the vision. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's, I, mean, I saw, yeah. I saw Hallmark came out with a new like yeah. master plan in Caledonia. It looks fantastic. And obviously, you know, I, I mentioned that Hallmark and TAS, I think are like the two coolest developers, yeah. right. In terms yeah. of thinking very much about how their buildings meet the street and how that lived experience of people coming in and out of out of their their buildings and can really drive value especially if they're going to do rental projects as opposed to just a, a one-off uh, uh, condo project which i think we're going to see more rental projects in the immediate future i'm already starting to do uh do rental studies on on projects uh on canceled condo projects right so uh this will be a little bit of a, a shift in people's uh people's mindset so um what else do I have for you guys here? Um, this was actually something I wanted to uh, talk to, to talk to um, our good friend David Klugsberg about, but I'll I'll read it off to you guys because it's a uh, you know it's the topic du jour these days. So and this is actually a blog post that they posted in 2018. So kind of funny. It says geeking over data. The recap of the Data Marketing Conference Toronto in 2018 it says highlight number one: humans versus artificial intelligence. It says now this topic may scare a lot of marketers into thinking that computers are taking over their industry, their jobs, but that's just not the case. Computer and humans have been working alongside each other, albeit computers a little faster. 
Listening to the panel at Converting Content Seminar, most speakers agreed that a blend of computer-assisted technologies can go a long way in decreasing wait times and optimizing workflow, but human connection cannot be undermined, especially when tact is required. Emotion, warmth, and human touch are still an important part of fostering great customer and client experiences and isn't uh, and that isn't changing anytime soon so you know you guys are both doing things that require you know rendering marketing how worried are you about ai and the mid-journey replacing some of the things that you do i think if anything it's it's making us like continuously level up in terms of like the art direction and the image consulting that we're providing to developers on their projects. Um, but what AI is doing is is really assisting the efficiency and the speed of the the more like mundane or the grunt work involved yeah. with it. So for example, it's like we spend a lot of time, let's say, editing photography or editing like drone images, making sure like the color values are there, um, the photo is completely seamless, let's say. There's a lot of AI tools even out, out there right now that, that can um, really assist with those things, uh, yeah. speed up that process, basically. Um, another thing that, you know, Rob, how much time have we spent on our projects and like making sure like the people in, in renderings are blended in well and they don't like stick out and they look like cardboard cutouts, cardboard yeah. cutouts kind of thing. <laughs> you know, that's been a, a big problem in the industry yeah. uh, throughout my entire career, but AI is definitely helping with that. It's allowing, there's a, a couple of tools out there that we specifically use that basically help you like blend in the the people that you're incorporating into the renderings. Um, so they're matching up with the, the lighting of your rendering. So it, it does look like it's actually like fitting into the image. It doesn't, you know, randomly stick out and it, yeah. it looks like an afterthought. Yeah. Um, are, 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 Rob, are you using much AI or chat GPT? We're using, assist? yeah, quite a bit. Like we, we've, uh, we've invested in, in AI development for the last 18 months. And what we are looking to do is basically impact every uh, area of our process. So, so we've, we've created tools, which we've already integrated in. So the visualization tools for sure, like mid journey, chat GPT, absolutely. Um, but we think that there's going to be a much deeper use. I was in New York the last or a couple of weeks ago at an AI conference specifically um, and kind of meeting with some of the leading people in my industry, uh, advertising, um, and how they're sort of integrating AI in their processes. And, and there's already been some startups that are AI startups from the ground up. I do think people have to worry about their jobs. I do think that it's going to take a lot. It's going to commoditize a lot of simple work. Like you said, grunt work, they, that, that's, that's, that is going to, AI is going, that's the first thing AI is going to replace. But what I will say is AI is more powerful than anything that we've ever seen before. And the human qualities that it is also taking on are really fucking scary. <laughs> um, and, and, and they're real. Yeah. And I think that what it will do is it will give us a superpower in terms of what we're able to sort of produce and create at scale. But it's going to also require less people. Um, to do that. Yeah. So I think that we will be sort of reinventing, seeing a lot of reinvention in terms of workforce. It is absolutely going to happen. Um, it's already there. And um, and we are 
you know, we want to be on the right side of progress. So we're definitely embracing it. Yeah, it is every, every interaction I have with it, it is just it blows my mind. Yeah, it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just use chat GPT and helping me reword things in my reports and, and, and even sometimes taking data and, and putting it into sentences and paragraphs and stuff. So it's just, it, allows me to just deliver even more of a report. I'm not charging more, but I'm delivering a lot more information that can, because before it would just be so difficult to take something out of a, out of this sheet and this sheet and this sheet and this sheet and put it all into one paragraph or, or summary. And now it's two seconds, copy, 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 put this in, boop, it does it in two seconds. Right. Yeah. So, it, so I think my reports are much better if someone actually wants to read 75 pages of a market study, but if they do, the information is all there. Right. So. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, like, uh, in, in Q1 this year, we brought our entire team together and, um, you know, because we'd been investing in AI, what we did is we had this, uh, company wide workshop and we, and we divided the, the company into, to teams and each each team got a brief on a particular brand or product and they had half an hour to write a strategy deck so research the industry write a strategy create a campaign and present it wow and and the the things that i saw and that were generated in half an hour were absolutely mind blowing like full video like presentations done in, in 30 minutes featuring celebrities. <laughs> like it, 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 it would, yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, Q1 of this year. We wow. are so much further along. Yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's changing so quickly, right? It's just kind of unbelievable what you can do. I mean, I just take my Instagram photos and change stuff around with the AI assist oh, yeah. and just to amuse my own children, right? And I look, I look and say, what? What did you do to the dog's face? Hey, why is there this in the background? It's just kind of amazing how just the, these a, a dummy like me can make, even make my Instagram photos. But it'll breed better. a lot of opportunity, I think, too. 100%, right? yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's, it's just going to, the people who understand those tools better are going to be able to deliver better and better outcomes for your clients. I think the right? companies that, you know, the companies that really, like you said, you've Black Jets invested a lot in AI, the companies that, that really can find uh, purposeful solutions um, around helping their business uh, scale and grow with AI. You know, those are the companies that you're going to see really succeed in, you know, the next five to 10 years, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I wish I... I, I feel like I should be taking some courses, right, on on AI and big data and understanding how I have this information. How can I better leverage it, right, with with uh, with AI to be able to just generate millions and millions of charts and graphs, and then I just go in and pick which ones I want to use, right? And I think that's that's the future of my my job. Certainly, with it is is just using it to do, do much better data analysis, right? So I think that'll be an awesome nickname for you, actually. What's big that? data. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Big Ben yeah, served big me so data. far, but yeah, maybe I can... Uh, could be I like can, a, you could be like Shaq. You could have a bunch of nicknames, yeah, right? Yeah. Big Ben, Big, big Data. Big Aristotle, yeah. Big Data, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did want to ask about... Um, Again, customer loyalty, and I know that because there's there's a decent amount of people in the space that you guys operate in. Obviously, I have I have competitors, but uh, I guess the question is for you, Rob. In terms of developers used for marketing and advertising efforts, how do you win some of that business? Like, you know, maybe give us a little bit of inside baseball. How do you think that you go about winning some business from from someone that may have used one of your competitors in the past? And not oh. necessarily real estate, but just uh, any of the industries that you're you're in. For us, it's it's simple. 
and complicated, but this, this, <laughs> the, the, the simple part is this. You know, we, we love to get infatuated with with um, creativity, and we think it's absolutely sort of the the you know the great output of what we do. But it's about business results starting there, right? So I think it's always about understanding what the business objective is and working backwards. The answer isn't awareness. The answer isn't leads. We, we like to start with what the end game is and, and what that destination that a, that a client's trying to get to is and then sort of working backwards to help them get there. So, you know, we try to not try. We, we are very hard on ourselves in terms of how data driven we, we are. Um, we always start there uh, with a really deep understanding of audiences, with a really deep understanding of market, um, really deep understanding of competition. And, uh, and a really clear idea of what the goal is. And, and sort of we really try to provide our clients with a roadmap, the tools and the momentum to kind of help them get there. So I don't know if that's really right, answers your question. but Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm always interested in how, obviously I'm in business for myself and, uh, and you know, people ask me, oh, why, is you, why should I go with you over the other guy, right? And, and I, I never bash my competition. I say, you, you'll probably get a good report from them. Right. But I think I'm the best. <laughs> right. I think I can deliver the value because of my experience, because of my unique relationships that I that I have. And, and I don't know. And you're if, trusted, too. So what, one more question before we go to the, the, the rapid fire here. Tim, you you've been a sponsor of City Builder Basketball for several years and helped organize the balling out for charity event last year. How important do you think networking is for you getting new clients these days? You, you, you think it's really, you know, going face to face is making a difference or, or you find just doing a few Zooms and, and team um, meetings? I think it's a bit of both, but definitely like the in-person is very important. Like with us is, uh, is really keeping our ear to the ground. We spend a lot of time um, talking and really educating ourselves around like the people in the front line of you know how real estate is actually being sold like what what customers are uh you know what are they looking at when they actually step into a sales office let's say mm-hmm. um so definitely like the in-person interaction outside of the boardroom is is super important whether it's you know at a charity event like balling out for charity or at a networking event it's uh it is something we try to be involved with uh, every single industry event, I would say, like have a presence there for sure. Yeah. yeah. Don't you follow him on Instagram? He's flying around everywhere. He's <laughs> meeting with developers. <laughs> yeah. Kind of interesting to, uh, to think about, you know, how you go about getting new business. So any, uh, any things you guys want to plug before we go to the, the rapid fire, any cool things you're working on that, uh, that you think needs to be out into the, uh, in, into the open right now? After you, <laughs> after you, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, listen, most of the stuff that we're working on, we can't really talk about openly. So, yeah. um, okay. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. All right. So you guys, I know you've listened to the show. I know you're big fans of the Toronto under construction podcast, but we have a section called the rapid fire. So really I'm just going to hit you with a bunch of quick questions. You know, we're not looking for, you know, 10, 20, 30 word answers, looking for quick kind of answers. And, uh, and we'll just, uh, we'll just leave it at that. So I, I, I have Rob here first. So here we go. You ready? Here we go. Okay. Should Toronto developers name their condo projects after American cities a hundred percent we should just try to replicate (laughs) america here that would go over really really well 
is virtual reality or augmented reality ever going to be popular in pre-construction condo marketing? Don't know. Um, have no idea. It hasn't taken off yet, but I think like to Tim's point, whether it's um, Apple or someone else solving the issue, uh, it makes me really freaking dizzy personally. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Who is cooler, marketing executives or architects? Architects, 100%. They are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Marketers are mostly full of shit. Website chatbots, good idea or bad idea? Depends what it does. Do you make an effort to reach out to past clients that you haven't heard from in a while? Yeah. Okay. What's a better place to put a real estate ad? On a bus bench or the side of a streetcar? Streetcar, but depends on objectives. (laughs) (laughs) never bus bench should owners of development companies have their personal profiles on their websites oh i don't know um if they want to i guess yeah i I don't know tim tim just quick quick yes or no personal yes i think so like credibility and uh relatability is super important these days Boom, boom. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Tim's answer is way better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tim, here we go. What's better, TikTok or Instagram Reels? I say TikTok's better. Yeah. Algorithm's way better. Which looks better, building rendering set in the day or set in the night? A lot of people like night renderings, but daytime renderings technically are a lot harder to pull off. Oh, interesting. Okay. Do clients request certain races or ethnicities for the people in their digital marketing products and marketing material? Yes. It's (laughs) definitely something that has changed in the last couple of years. (laughs) What's the best streaming service? In terms of music? Uh, TV. Oh, TV. Uh, I would say Netflix. I love their UI. Their interface is awesome. Should developers have price lists with starting from prices or include the actual prices? 100%. And I think I've been a big influencer around doing that. <laughs> Which one? The starting, pr- just starting from or? Just showing pricing in general. Um, but yes, starting from price. Yes. Okay. okay. You're choosing a basketball team and you have these two players to choose from. Michael Jordan from the Washington Wizards or... LeBron James from the Lakers. Michael Jordan all day. <laughs> He's the greatest of all time. <laughs> Even Washington Wizards, Jordan? Yes. That was rough. He's still averaging like <laughs> 23, 25 points. <laughs> so. Do you ever take the time to compare your renderings with the finished product? All the time, all the time. All the time? Yeah, we visit a lot of buildings once they get built. You got to post that. You got to do like a side-by-side. Oh, yeah, the yeah. render to reality. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. The, Those we, things we always get, Yeah, those things get big hits. I have on. my little like diary that I keep under my bed. Ah, share it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Rob, someone wants to use the services of BlackJet. Where do they Where do they go to find you? Yeah, BlackJet.ca. BlackJet.ca, that's easy. Tim? Uh, adhocstudio.ca and blacklineapp.com. Blacklineapp.com. Awesome, guys. Appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank Thank you, you, Ben. 